0: Mime is part of all different other performing arts that we have today. Uh, there is a there has been for for decades now the uh, 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 a discussion about whether Mime is an independent performing art or whether mime is part of other arts. But because it was the first art, I think it is it is involved in all other. Uh, performing arts in uh, in acting uh, in uh, in singing in in all, all sorts of, of of performing arts and arts that you have uh, that you have on stage. So um, I think it enrich enriches other arts.
1: Well, as you can see, mime is a lot more than as it seems. A bit like Transformers. More than meets the eye. Um, Marco was was an absolutely awesome guest. He is a pure example of falling into your passion and making a career out of it. He's been in it for 30 years. And this is a great episode in terms of anyone in forming arts industry look to make a career out of it. This is a great episode for breaking down the wall of mime and its many uses to how it's enhanced his ability as an actor. How mime can help in any field or a diverse range of fields like that. from motion capture and to even teamwork with basketball players even how mime is used today by people like Mr Bean now before we go please give this episode a review on iTunes Amazon share with your friends and subscribe without further ado let us listen to Marco
2: and so, you're, you're, from what I hear so far, your journey into mime, was that just through an accident or you just stumbled into it?
0: Well, uh, yeah. Uh, first, I never, I never wanted to become an actor. I never thought of that. I wanted to become a computer geek. That was in, in early 80s. I had my first computer, my parents bought me my first computer, it was a Sinclair Spectrum 48K. 48K stands for an incredible amount of amount of memory of 48 kilobytes. Yeah, at that, uh, at that time it was huge. I learned to program in basics, so I was writing programs, et cetera, et cetera, but I was always very very physical, I was a clown in, in my school. I was, you know, um, I was a- always a bit overweight and, uh, and uh, not very good with girls. And so uh, I guess that I found that path, uh, which is uh, socially acceptable is to be funny. And uh, funny works and funny is good. You know, so in a way I was very shy, but at the same time uh, very extrovert with making jokes and things like that. And uh, at some point I was um, 15 or six. Uh, yeah, I was 15. A friend of ours, he was working in the radio here at, at our national radio. And there was a extremely popular uh, uh, radio show. Um, it was like a Kind of a political satire. It, it went live every Sunday, so uh, during lunchtime, and we were all sitting around radio eating, and we were not watching television but listening to what they had to say. It was funny. And he was one of the editors. So, and then because I was very loud and very expressive, you know, especially after watching Bruce Lee films <laughs> in cinemas, you know. He took me to the radio because he couldn't sit down and speak proper, properly with my, my, my parents. So he took me to the radio and said, look, I have this kid, he's 15, he's making all sorts of noise, just do whatever you want with him. So then that was the f- my first uh, uh, encounter with, uh, with the media, uh, with radio. So I did a couple of shows with them, I acted, uh, um, and I became, because the show was popular, you know, at parties uh, with with my friends from school, they were saying, you know, Marco is in that radio show and I became kind of popular and I found, I said, oh, well, this is not such a bad thing, you know. And then I found out that actually you can study acting at the university. I mean, I never thought of that. I didn't know that that, that existed and, um, a friend of mine told me that his brother went to the university and he was accepted after the second year of, um, of uh, uh, secondary school, uh, which is the age of uh, 16 or 17. And I said, okay, cool. Oh, that's nice. So I can skip two years of school and go directly to the university. Okay, cool, I'll do that. And um, I went for the audition. Um, I was not really prepared, but I was accepted among like six or 700 people that, and that was the only school at that time in in Serbia, in Yugoslavia at that time in Belgrade, uh, governmental, uh, it still exists. So I was accepted at the university when I was 16 and I got my bachelor's degree uh, in acting when I was 20. And again, uh, one of the professors during my first year, he died afterwards, uh, he told me, he was telling me, like, can you stay after class, and I'll teach you some mime?" And I said, "Okay, I, okay, I was brought up to respect professors and not to say no." And uh, I said, "Sure, of course." So I stayed after classes, and I was learning mime with that professor. And uh, later on, during my studies, actually, I found out that I'm good in comedy, and especially physical comedy. I was very Very physical. Um, And uh, that stuck with me. And uh, at the end, I did with a friend from my class, I did a a show called Bloody Sports. Uh, It was actually for one of our exams, but people heard about it at at the university. And then they invited um, an artistic director of the Monodrama and Mime Festival in Belgrade. And he... Saw it and he said, "Okay, that's only 15 minutes. Uh, if you can make it like 40 or 45 minutes, I can take you uh, for the festival. I can I can put you in, in in competition." So we 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 did it and we opened. We were an opening act of the 1991 monodrama and and, uh, and mime festival in uh, in Belgrade, and that was a game changer. Afterwards, another professor came to me and said, "I didn't know." that you were uh, interested in mime. Somewhere in, in my documents, I have a prospect from Marcel Marceau School in Paris. Do you want to go? I said, sure, why not? I mean, I learned about Marcel Marceau in, in uh, theater history uh, classes, so I said, sure. And uh, so I got my diploma and um, I wrote to the school in Paris. They invited me for audition I was there for a week or so and they accepted me with uh, 20, 26 or seven other people from all around the world. So I studied mime with Marcel Marceau for a year in Paris and uh, then tried to work. So I stayed there for another two years, did a little bit, did a little bit of acting, did, um, played in, at the festival in Avignon, one of the largest festival, biggest festival in, in Europe and the world. And then a few years afterwards with another show from from Yugoslavia, from Serbia, I played in, at Edinburgh Festival in Fringe, uh, which is again, one of the largest festivals in the world. So I got quite a lot of different experience in different languages and and um, it was fun. Then I decided to come back home. Couldn't find any work to be honest and and couldn't, couldn't fix my, my working permit and visa. So I said, okay, it's time to go back home. And I got back in 1994. And since then I'm based here. And, and from time to time I have some adventures abroad. <laughs> Late, the, the most recent one before COVID was to China. I started, oh yeah, I started really, really nice relationship with colleagues in, in Shanghai from from a huge theater in Shanghai.
2: Oh, so um, I mean, that's quite interesting what you said there. And so, you're are you like a man who's a jack of trade, but your main thing's acting, and sort of mime helped you sort of. It's sort of something you found that you're good at, sort of surprisingly.
0: Yeah. Well. Yeah, but again, I'll come back to communication. It's all about communication. So in, in, in the base of everything is communication, whether verbal or nonverbal, but it's communication, whether artistic or not, but again, it's communication. So, uh, and, it, and yes, when people ask me what I am, I say I'm an actor, which, which I am. and That's my main profession. But uh, I was never, I was always an adventurer and I always uh, liked to try different things. And so that's, that stayed with me even now, I'm 50 now. I just turned 50 a month ago. And I always try to see, I'm interested in different things. And, you know, and, but again, whatever I do, it enriches me as a, as a person and, at the same time as a, as a thespian, so as, a, as an actor, yeah. It gives me wider range of roles that I can play. Mime is part of all different other performing arts that we have today. Uh, there, is a, there has been for, for decades now, the uh, 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 a discussion about whether mime is an independent performing art, or whether mime is part of other arts, but because it was the first art, I think it is it is involved in all other uh, performing arts, in uh, in acting, uh, in um, in singing, in in all all sorts of of, of performing arts and arts that you have uh, that you have on stage. So. Um, I think it enri- enriches other arts and it also, it's a great tool and it enriches the expression of a performer, whether he is um, uh, um, uh, an actor or a dancer. Uh, mime, mime was there before dance. Dance came with uh, ritual, just like theater. So in the base, base the, in history, the basics of theater uh, and dance are in ritual. You know, when when people try to, when when they didn't have fire, and uh, the, um, and suddenly uh, you have a thund- you had a thunder, and and uh, and you had a tree blew up, and you had some fire, and you you knew that at that time you did some funny, some movement. So then you thought that if you do that movement, you could get more fire. So that's how a, a different movement became rituals. And uh, from that, those rituals later on became theater, theater or dance. But before that, we had mime. So that's why I think that mime is part of all other performing arts.
2: Okay. and like there's a, there's quite a few popular proponents of it in modern times as well in a way well I mean Charlie Chaplin's a bit old but you got like Robin Williams and you got do you know Tapeface?
0: No? Ah yeah Tapeface yeah 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 I know of course. Yeah 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 he was in the 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 talent show. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. But you have I mean uh, besides Marcel Marceau, Etienne Decroux, all the French guys, you have Jacques Tati in films in the 70s, very popular, very funny. I mean, some people would call it mime, some people would call it physical comedy. I don't really see the dis- distinction between the two. Uh, there's Rowan Atkinson, uh, he's, a, he's a mime, basically. What he's doing is mime. It really depends on the genre uh, so, uh, if mime is is an independent art, which I believe it is, as the first art or the pre-art, it also has different genres. So Robin Atkinson, Jim Carrey nowadays in in Hollywood, he's very physical, very expressive, sometimes even too much. But that's mime. You have Marx Brothers, you have Lauren Hardy, Chaplin, Buster Keaton. Uh, uh, um, you said Robin Williams in in uh, in, in UK, you had Lindsey Kemp. He died uh, what a year ago or two years ago. Uh, uh, so it, it's there. Mime is also a very strong part of of, uh, of dance and ballet, classical ballet, and also very influenced by classical ballet. Um, people are trying to define mime, which is really difficult, and also to define what is to define what is classical mime and what is modern mime and i just i just don't think it's a right time to do that at the moment because class when we say classical mime we think of Marcel Marceau uh i guess when we say modern mime we don't really know what we're thinking about It really depends of our experience and what we saw. But for me, modern mime can be uh, Ron Atkinson, Mr. Bean. I know that many mimes would not agree with me, but I sincerely believe that.
2: And why would they not agree with you?
0: Oh, because a lot of colleagues are stuck with Marcel Marceau, with Etienne Décroux, are stuck in in the 19th century and uh, trying to reproduce things and are stuck with the uh, imitation of uh, great mimes of the 20th century. And I just don't think that that is, the, that is a path. You, you, f- you have to find your own style, like in acting, in, in dance, in, in, in music. You have, you have to find your own voice. You, you have to find your own style and not just do imitations of of others and uh i know this is maybe not such a nice thing to say but it's the truth a lot of a lot of uh, us are stuck with uh with um uh, techniques and uh, and styles of our professors which were um, Art, uh, uh, artists of the of the 20th century and now we are in the 21st century. I can't wait to see what some young people that are I don't know 20, 25 years now old or maybe 15 years old would do with uh, with mine. I think I sincerely believe in formal education and proper training so I think that they should be trained as we were trained but then they just have to uh, to To try and destroy all of that, and find their own their own way, find their own voice, their own movement, their own style.
2: So, and what are some simple techniques in mime that you see that, like, I don't know you go, with, yeah, just what What are some simple techniques and how mime works as a whole with your movement?
0: Well, uh, first, first, you can do anything. If you do it, if I understand it as as the audience, so of course there's a, the, the mime walk and the 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 wall, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I I think of them as the citations from other mimes of the of the of the 20th century. So it's a nice way to keep the tradition. And that's absolutely great. But if you do a movement, and I understand it, that's mime. If you, if, if you do a show where you don't need words, not where you cut out words, but where if you don't need them, that's mime for me. And, uh, and that's fine. But the techniques, that's like sports. You, you, you have to practice, you, do, you repeat and repeat. It's very boring, actually. You have to repeat movements, and uh, uh, your muscles have to learn those movements and that's about it, but that's a simple thing to do. Anybody can do it, anybody can do it, but not everyone can can um, uh, do something with it afterwards. Uh, that's where after technique comes talent. Technique is nothing else but, but talent and creativity or whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, the technique is only the tool to that, that helps you uh, share with your audience, uh, your inner self. Um, share what you have to share with us. And acting, mime, any kind of performing, it's about sharing. It's about giving and asking nothing in return. That's why I also think that those guys that come in for the money or for, for becoming very popular. Nowadays, it's easy to become popular uh, with YouTubes and, and they, you, you, everybody can get their 15 minutes of fame as, uh, as Andy War, Warhol said, what, 40 years ago now. So now it's easy, but who will be there in 10, 20, 30 years? That's the question, who will stay there?
2: And one of the things that I found interesting with mime, as you said, it's, it's, yeah, that's an interesting question. Who's going to stay 10 or 30 years, but like, with someone like Tapeface, I feel he could go on for a very long time and like, and it's just so unique and it could go like, and the thing is, it's so transversible. He can do it in any sort of nation. It's just all movements. And it's sort of like stand up where if you're limited with words, you can only, it's very hard to switch to other languages.
0: Uh, yes, that's uh, why some people and, uh, uh, think of mime as, uh, as the uh, art of the performing art of the future, especially with all the technology now, because you, it's the language everybody understands. And it's, it's actually, I mean, people are frightened. When, when, people, when, when you tell them, we'll go to see a mime show, they're usually frightened because they don't think they will understand it. Or maybe they think it is boring but if it is boring it's not your fault if you don't understand it it is not your fault it's the fault of the performer uh, so it's my fault forgive me. Uh, uh, mine is very exciting it's like any other show except you don't use words uh, uh, and, and uh, it is our first language that we spoke it is the language Well, basic nonverbal language is in our genes. Uh, 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 We understand it even when we are children. Um, um, It's very simple. How come a a baby dog uh, 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 knows that it shouldn't approach a big dog who is uh, 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 showing its teeth? Well it knows it's in the genes it's so the the the, vo- the basic vocabulary of of nonverbal communication is transmitted uh, uh, by our genes from generation to generation from person to person. so how come people are today afraid of mime? it's in our genes we understand it if it is done properly, we will understand it and we will enjoy it and you can go to the Royal Shakespeare, this and that and watch, I don't know, uh, a, a, mu- a musical can be a very boring experience. So it doesn't really matter if you are uh, having a show which which uh, um, you can uh, watch and listen to, uh, uh, so use two out of five senses that you have or uh, uh, it, it can be boring also. But you can also watch a, a, sh- a mind show that is so exciting that, that will keep you for an hour and a half or, or two hours uh, 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 glued to your seat and, and waiting for more. So it really depends, it's, 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 it's a storytelling experience by using only your body and not, not, uh, not necessarily your voice. Uh, or or words um so it has to it has to be exciting like like any
2: other show and who so one thing i want to look at is how have you found how has mime helped you in your field as an actor so like you've played in different roles like you've been in theater acting you've been in movie acting like how has that given you an advantage when you're doing these roles
0: Oh um uh, well th- there are two parts one is technical part and the other one is uh, uh, the creative one um, uh, uh, it's it's uh, uh, you become more expressive you become more expressive you think when you're making a role you think of of the body of that character also of the facial expressions of that character also you're not only thinking of the uh, intonation uh, of your voice and how you pronounce uh, um, words, etc. etc. Uh, also, it, it helps a lot the a movement, even, even if your role later on is very static. Uh, I, I did very static roles, also very speaking roles in speaking theater, uh, in spoken theater but during rehearsals I was using mo- as much movement as I as I could and and trying uh, uh, physiology of movement is very similar to physiology of emotions so there's a connection if I want to to find a um, an intonation that has that connects my voice and words to certain emotion of, of that character uh, I can reproduce that with with, uh, with different movements first. I can find that voice by doing the movement. And then if the role is static, mm. I will have the experience of that movement and uh, and my my uh, muscles and my vocal cords will remember what it does to it and will remember the voice that we need in, in that situation by that character. And other technical parts are like, um, Uh, I very well know where uh, I'm very much aware of where the camera is, for instance, in film or television, where's the lighting, um, uh, where are my fellow actors. Um, It gives me a very good um, uh, sense of the space, but also uh, I, I usually, I always ask uh, the film directors and the TV directors in uh, what is the the plan that I'm in. What is the the uh, how do you call that the um, uh, the frame? How large is the frame? So what can you see? And if you if I'm in a close-up and I do things with my hands, you won't be able to see it. So uh, and I know my body. Uh, I know how to transfer, how to move, um, um, uh, focus, uh, around my body, uh, and that helps. It's a tech, it's a technical thing, but, but that really helps. Uh, uh, I just finished a student film yesterday, uh, uh, with some very, very young people that are studying film here in Dalgray. Um it doesn't take me a lot of takes to do things and uh to to do them properly technically in a technical sense properly a creative part is creative part you either do it or 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 you miss it, but you know where to stand where's the camera where to look things like that it really helps mine helps in that
2: and perhaps it's a bit like like sixty percent or like 20% of communication is done through like your body language and your tone of voice rather than what you say. So, I mean, in that regard, that would you say that's how it helps as a performer because it's so body focused?
0: Well, if you read books about communication, uh, I just wrote one and it, it came out today here, oh. here in Norway, uh, um about communication, verbal and non-verbal. Um, when you read books about communication you will find out different statistics but it goes around 70 percent 65 to 70 percent of communication is non it's body and facial expression etc et that's what science says then 20 something percent is uh voice it's vocal so the tone of your voice etc etc and only like six seven or eight percent is uh our words are is the content of what you are saying so the words that you are saying so the words are not so important we make them important with with the development of of civilization but they're not actually that important um for me if you want to be a hundred percent good communicator um you have to to uh, to be a hundred percent good nonverbal communicator, a hundred percent good verbal communicator, and you have to know what you're what you're saying. Uh, uh, you have to be aware of that, a hundred percent aware of that. So it's hundred percent plus hundred percent plus hundred uh, percent. It's hundred percent good communicator gives you 100% good communicator and as I said I believe actors and and performers are communicators in the first place so so you have to be able to manage all of it I mean if you don't why bother doing that I mean if if you want to be a professional performer professional actor so you of course no one we'll be able to do 100% of everything, but it is what we are trying to do. So it's our efforts that we are putting in. It's uh, it's the time that we're putting in, in training, in learning, in educating ourselves uh, that, that really matters, that makes us uh, richer. So,
2: and how does MIME help with like could you give specific examples of how mime could help with like if you're a musician or if you're a comedian mm-hmm. or if you're not.
0: well if you're a musician it will it will especially if you're a musician and well most of mus- of instruments are played by hands uh you use your hands it will give you a great sense of coordination between brain and, and your your body and, and hands uh, it will give you also if you need more explosivity in your muscles or more uh, tender movements fine movements it it refines your movement. I worked in my career uh, of, of teacher I worked also with some musicians uh, right now i'm try- I'm working with a friend with did two children's shows together in the past two, three years with music and mime, with the whole orchestra on the stage with like 20, 25 people and mime or clown, which I did uh, with children and that was fun. And he's a conductor. We are now developing a program of mime for conductors uh, because their hands have to be and their bodies have to be very expressive so that all the musicians in in, um, in orchestra understands them and that's nonverbal communication it's as as simple as that uh, mm-hmm. if you're a, a ballet dancer it, I worked with sportsmen also quite a lot uh, uh, reading body language in sports especially in in um, uh, uh, team sports is so important I was working with basketball players for instance and they had a they had a a problem of ego among players. you know, uh, And we did, we did a very simple exercise. We were playing basketball without the real ball, but the imaginary ball like mine. So they had to agree who has the ball in their hands and who will be shooting. And if the one that was shooting uh, uh, actually scored or not. So it's a good exercise for, for team building also. You know? uh, I worked with dancers, for them, it's really important to have not only bodily expression, but also facial expression. That's sometimes that they miss, forget that, that uh, 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 they, they lack that a little bit to have that. And also um, wh- what I found out very important for, for in all of those, uh, categories when I worked with those people is uh, parts from acting uh, where you have to actually um, um, find a way to uh, reproduce emotions and that's for instance really important uh, because that's, that's the impulse for the movement and I think that's really important also in sports because it, you have the technique to jump or to throw or whatever but the the, the, the thing that brings you to a higher result it's the emotion uh, and actually those emotions are producing energy and give give energy and give certain mm, mm, difference to your muscles comparing to the muscles of of and and the movement of, of another sportsman so it, Gives you like a like an extra boost to to what you're doing. So that's why I say in the beginning of our of our conversation you said jack of all trades. Uh, well, yes and no. No, because it's all about communication. It's all about creation. It's all about emotions, and uh, it's that's everywhere, especially in movement.
2: Okay, and. What made you start the World Mime Association? Or... Well, to be
0: very honest, uh, I thought that that mime, mimes are very, um, very solo in their way of thinking. They kind of uh, uh, grab one square meter of, of, Pavement somewhere, and they keep it, and they don't share it with anybody else, and that's a way of thinking. I think that we should get together, and we should share our knowledge among ourselves, and also help each other, and uh, and try to develop um, new ways of thinking, and try to uh, try to boost uh, mime altogether, and make it more. Um, um, approachable for the audience, and uh, we can't do that as solo performers. And mine is not a solo art; uh, it is a team effort, like like any other um, theatrical uh, uh, art, uh, performing art. It's it's not a solo art, and I think that that changed because of of the economy and um and everything that was happening in 70s and 80s and nine, especially 90s when there was less and less work so we all tried to to survive by doing what we know and so we came back um we came back to our roots which is the streets which is the street art like ancient greece and ancient rome uh instead of trying to i believe that we should have kept it in theater and uh, fought for it. Um, we have a good example of um, uh, contemporary dance, which was not really, uh, it was nothing special in the 60s, but it took it like 20 years or so. By the end of 70s and beginning of eight, mid 80s, it became very big and, uh, and then money started flowing, uh, coming in, uh, in, in contemporary dance productions. So now it became really kind of more important than mime. So we have that, that example, uh, and our art is probably the oldest one on, on the planet. Um, and uh, I don't see why we shouldn't be able to live uh, by doing mime and why we shouldn't be doing mime online, on YouTube, do special uh, productions for television, for, for, um, for internet, for uh, video games. Uh, Mimes are, for instance, very, I, t- I tried it personally, are very helpful with the uh, motion capture uh, uh, technology for, in, in gaming industry. Uh, they use much less time to do something, to do a movement. for for all the motion capture gadgets than anybody else, because they know the movement, they understand it, they have great imagination and know how to transfer it to their bodies. And that's helpful. So it's, if you have an artist, a mime artist doing motion capture, he will probably do something in two days instead of 10 days. So again, it's cheaper for the production company.
2: One thing I want to ask, because I, I was actually, I am interested in mime, and like whenever I've tried looking for mime, it's been very difficult to get a hold of, like anything that's going to introduce you to the basics so you can try mm. and learn it. It was a nightmare trying to go for it, and the only thing I got was a one-day course. So for someone that's looking to get into mime, how, what is a simple way where they can learn the basics and decide whether they want to go into it further or have a basis of yeah. things they could try and use in whatever art form they're doing? Well, I, first
0: I, I think that uh, performing arts in general, any performing art, is very difficult to do online or to do it, to learn it by watching videos. You will easily be trapped in imitating of what you see instead of learning it and understanding it. So, I believe that you should be working with a with a live professor <laughs> not a video uh, so someone that can help you um, um, come understand the mechanics and understand the movements through your body. someone that can lead you through that process. but later on, when it comes to repetition to where you have to really, when you learn the movement uh, properly, understand it, then you have to repeat it so many times so that your muscles will, so that it will almost become mechanical. So that when it becomes mechanical, um, uh, then, um, uh, uh, then you have the possibility to be creative with it because you're not thinking if you did it well or not well, you know that your muscles can do it, then you become creative. So in that process of repetition, we can do that online, that's not a problem. So I think that, and then there's the last part, the creative part and making shows and making performances, then again, we should also again, go live. So I think that you should start with the live professor, and end up with a live professor or director or whatever, but in the in the middle, you can do it online so i don 't think i mean it 's really difficult at the moment with the pandemic uh, there's a lot of classes that you can find online there's a lot of videos that you can find online, but i don 't think that's that 's a good thing if I tried also to teach online but but not not uh broadcast recorded videos, but to do it live, like we're talking now. Uh, I even think that we as an organization will start something like that very soon. And
2: How, how do you find it sort of working in all these different environments as an actor? Like how do you adjust to it? And like, one thing I think that sometimes people misunderstand with acting is the amount of work that goes into like behind the scenes of a set or a film. <laughs> what time you got to get up how much time you have to spend on the lines. And I feel that that's often not seen.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I, th- well I, th- first, I think working in theater for actors is really a lot of work. Working on television and, and film, it's mostly waiting. Waiting for your turn, waiting for your shot. So, and you have to keep your, your energy and your sanity while waiting but that also gives you the time to rehearse with yourself. Um, so it's, it's more, well, you, it doesn't look that way but I think that in, 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 in television and, and, and film, even though you have a huge crew, much, much bigger than in theater, it's more introvert. So you have more time and you use that time for yourself. Uh, in theater it's different. It's a smaller team, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's it's more of a teamwork, you know. You're with people on stage almost all the time, and uh, and when you're not, you are going for uh, some other rehearsals. If it is musical music or something, or dance or choreography or something else, or mime or whatever, you know. So th- those are differences. But I love I I love it all. I prefer. Uh, I, I preferred theater, but now I prefer camera. I prefer film or television because it's a, a one-time effort. And then you have a lot of exploitation of that product at the end, but it's a one-time effort. And uh, so you you. I, right now I prefer film and television to, to theater. It was different 20 years ago. Uh, when I was younger, I was more energetic and didn't mind going to um you know playing in 30 different cities in 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 20 days you know and things like that <laughs> but now it's a bit tiring so I, I right now i prefer camera to theater but i love audience i love audience and 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 um nothing can nothing can um can be so enriching like the direct contact and direct communication with the audience. That's so beautiful. I was doing a bit of stand-up also. Yeah. That was fun, you know, I mean that when you when you get the feedback immediately and, and when I when I perform now in theater from time to time, not that often, I usually do that kind of shows where even the two children's shows that I did in the past two, three years, I, I did with a lot of improvisation and a lot of communication with the audience.
2: You like the fun of it, like because sure. you don't know where it's gonna go and you yeah. like, the, like having a laugh with your friend in a way. If it yeah. Goes well. yeah,
0: yeah, it's, 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 it's fun, it's fun. And you have to enjoy it. If, if a performer doesn't enjoy the show, uh, the, the audience won't enjoy it. And I don't think, well, people usually say, my colleagues usually say that, Acting is actually about the truth and searching for the truth in theater. I don't, I don't think that at all. Uh, I, I think it's about manipulation and you have, it's all about communication and manipulation. So I manipulate the audience, I manipulate their experience and their uh, emotions and I play with it and that's what we do as performers. But where that truth is is if you do it honestly if you are not trying to do it for money or do it with if you try to do it with a with a with a clean proper emotion towards the audience if you respect your audience if you love your audience they feel it and then they enjoy being manipulated by you that's why they paid the ticket because they want to be In your story in your illusion they want to be part of your illusion and uh, and that's absolutely great experience that's a wonderful experience and that's where that truthfulness I think exists is in in your rapport with with the audience if you respect it and love it they will feel it and if you don't divide them into you know knowledgeable audience or not knowledgeable audience or this kind of audience or that kind of audience. No, audience is audience and it's people. And if you know how to talk to them, they will respond. And if you respect them and don't look at them from the above, you know, like I'm a big artist or something, no, you're there because of them and you have to give them and don't ask anything in return.
2: One thing that I would like to ask you about is how do you manage all the people on the set or like on whether you be theater or on a movie set, how do you handle the personalities? And even if you can't stand someone, how do you all work together to produce something that's good? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, first I speak to everybody. I, uh, you know, there are actors that are very posh and uh, uh, but I'm in peace with myself, so I know who I am. I've been in this business for thirty, thirty-two years now. I experienced a lot. I know I've been a star, a TV star. I've I've been a a, a completely anonymous actor. Um, uh, I did some really good roles. I did some really bad roles. So I experienced almost everything, and uh, I'm in peace with myself. And I respect everybody's effort. And people are there because they're investing their effort into a film or a TV uh, show or or, or a theatre play, so that they would bring uh, joy to audience, and possibly earn some money, which is which is usually a good thing to do, um, um, to feed your family so it, it's it's a matter of respect uh even when i was very popular here on television i i especially then i spoke to everybody even when i was not in mood uh, even when i was very tired or 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 uh, or sad or i gave my time um, uh, to, and my energy to everybody and i was not Looking if that person has a university degree or not, or if that is uh, just a person from the audience, or a member of the team, or a producer with all the money, or no, I I was treating them equally, and uh, and um, I think that's that's the I mean, I'm that kind of person. It's it's also a matter of character. I respect people. I love people, and I don't think back. I don't. I don't a priori think bad of people or worse. Uh I just love them and I love communication. I love talking to people and it's always a new experience. Even if you don't meet that person again in your life, you're richer for another uh for another acquaintance, for another experience, for an exchange of a couple of words or, or a couple of sentences, and that's that's uh, even if that person is bad or or mean or whatever it's it really depends how you perceive it and how you filter that energy uh, I just love people and I can talk to anybody <clears throat> i would talk i was i mean in <clears throat> uh, I was talking to presidents of 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 states and I was also talking to to People that are asking for money in in streets, you know, and, and if you treat them with respect, you will get you will you will get uh, you will get back the the response and a positive response and and you know we are all here for a couple of decades on this small planet. Uh, fortunately, nowadays we don't have we have low cost companies and we have internet, so we can be anywhere in a couple of seconds or a couple of hours and experience other cultures and experience other people and become richer for that experience. And that's a wonderful thing. We have to enjoy this.
2: One thing I want to say is it's been a lot of fun having you on the podcast.
0: Thank you very much.
2: I hope you've enjoyed it.
0: Oh yes, indeed.
2: One thing I want to like to ask you is what would you like to plug in the podcast?
0: What I, what would I like to?
2: Plug. Like what are your social media handles? What projects you're working on? Websites? <clears throat> if someone wants to get in contact with you, how, how can they reach
0: Well, uh, the, the, I'd love to invite people to join the World MIME organization. Uh, We're around 200 members right now on, on all five continents. We had the... Um, uh, World Mine, three World Mind conferences, two of which in, nine, in 2018 and 2019 were uh, live in person uh, in Belgrade. The third one should have been in Shanghai, but it was actually online in partnership with the with, uh, uh, Shanghai Dramatic Arts Center, but hopefully this year will be there. Um, uh, uh, we are we what we try to 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 share and to send as a message is respect respect we're we, we are not in our organization we're not trying to say that Marcel Marceau technique is better than Etienne Dekrut technique or whoever else technique or whatever no we respect the effort we respect all the forms of the art and all the all the schools and techniques and, and, and styles and all of that and uh, that brings us a certain peace of mind and uh, instead of investing our energy into struggle and of, of, of trying to impose our technique our way of thinking and teaching uh, we we invest that energy in making friendships and what happened uh, after the first uh, world mime conference that we had, I started receiving photos of people that started visiting each other, that didn't know previously each other, you know, mime artists and professors and teachers that traveled. And now we know that that in most of the countries, we have at least one person that, if we go there, we can call call that person, uh, you know, and say, let's grab a coffee. You know, nothing nothing more than that uh so that's a wonderful thing uh so and we are not accepting only professional mimes but also people that love mime enjoy mime that means people people from the audience uh young people older people and uh, uh try to bring back that art in the focus of the media Try to push it in in new technologies in new media, so that we would uh, also uh, generate new um, work for mime artists uh, try to keep the tradition and remember all those who came before us and try to make um, a good base for all of those that will come after us so that they wouldn't have to do all the things that we did so that they could move forward with the art uh and we're a bunch of um um sincere and uh, and um uh, nice people who like to talk to each other we meet very often online now uh it's not, the pandemic brought some, real, some really good things, you know, I mean, it's, it, the pandemic is awful, but when you, when you think of it, uh, it did more to, to uh, digit, digitalization of the content, especially in performing arts, especially in, in theater and mime, and made it available online That than any governmental strategy developed by I don't know what kind of brains in the past. So, <clears throat> in a couple of days after the pandemic started, in a couple of weeks, everything went online and and I hope that theater and mime, will, uh, and mime artists especially will embrace that technology and try to find their place in, in 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 the virtual world but not forgetting that that we are our art is an analog art and has to exist on stage so hopefully we'll be seeing each other on stage soon
2: yeah hopefully fingers crossed <clears throat> but just want to say yeah best of luck with everything and thank you, you take care, man. thank you
0: thank you it was really enjoyable to talk to you Thank you.